say is in a crucial stage. It's not because of foreign wars we wage. It's more to do with the colors blue and red. Too many laws and too much government. Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread. So many people trying to cross the border. Politicians build a new world order. Too many minds are convinced they should be led. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damned you win. Taking your right to self-defense. They say you're safer, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn in the guns. Always ask for more. All we buy is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay. I've gotta be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damned who wet. Welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I am your ever-so-humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you from historic, lovely, beautiful, scenic Roan County, Tennessee. Uh, yeah, for those of you not familiar with the area, we're not too far from Knoxville, but we're definitely not Knoxville, so uh, don't make that mistake either. Uh, some folks still do. Uh, at any rate, uh, glad to have you here. It is, for the benefit of those of you listening to the rebroadcast uh, on terrestrial radio stations across the country, stations like KYAH 540 AM, Utah's Talk Authority, just as an example, um, you know, uh, time of the live broadcast is Sunday. It is May 15th. It is 2022. And uh, we are one day removed from a horrific event that occurred in Buffalo, New York. On Saturday of this week, that being yesterday, time of the live broadcast, a gunman killed 10 people and wounded three in a Buffalo, New York grocery store and allegedly targeted the establishment because of racial hatred and extremist ideology. He was arrested and has already pled not guilty. Uh, this had occurred by Saturday afternoon. The shooter, who I will not name here specifically for reasons of uh, not desiring to help. What is this strange thing? Uh, mass shooters and, and 
some of these multiple uh, killers, these serial killers, sometimes they seek fame. And sometimes offering up that little bit of fame seems to encourage others to do the same. So I will not be mentioning his name here. At any rate, uh, he was... uh, he was allegedly live streaming this horrendous tragedy on Twitch. He drove for hours to get to the grocery store in question. Authorities claim that the shooter chose the Tops friendly market in Buffalo because of the racial demographics of the community in which it's located, a community that is roughly 80% black American. Uh, Erie County Sheriff John Garcia said that this was pure evil. said that during a press conference. Uh, Straight-up racially motivated hate crime from somebody outside of our community, outside of the city of good neighbors, as the mayor said, coming into our community and trying to inflict evil upon us. Now, according to other reports about this alleged shooter. Evidently, this gunman, who allegedly killed these ten people and wounded the three others, evidently he'd been flagged as troubled in his small hometown before mounting the apparently racially motivated attack. The 18-year-old shooter, uh, he allegedly live-streamed this murder spree, like I said, Authorities say that a suspect who then drove some three and a half hours from Broome County, New York, that uh, he was on their radar back home after allegedly threatening fellow high school students back in June of 2021. A school official reported that he was very troubled young man and had made statements indicating that he wanted to do a shooting, either at a graduation ceremony or sometime after. That's according to a government official familiar with the case, speaking to the Buffalo News. Now, state police investigated the incident last year, and the suspect was indeed referred for a mental health evaluation and counseling. Did it make a difference? No. Now, here's where we have to diverge because I would love to be able to sit here. I mean, well, not love to, but I would love for the focus of this story to be on the tragedy that occurred because that's where the focus should be. Once again, I find myself lamenting the fact that we no longer live in a society where we cannot wait till the bodies are cold before activists and political office holders and generalized morons want to take to social media want to get in front of video cameras, television microphones, radio microphones, any microphone that will let them speak. And they want to start going down the long list of leftist wish and want. They, they, they have to start talking about gun control. They have to start talking about uh, the control of crushing freedom of speech on the internet. They have to even start talking about the filibuster now. He doesn't seem to be able to escape the gaze of the leftists who are so tired of a deliberate body that is put in place with the understanding that it is supposed to be 
a speed bump, not a roadblock per se, but a speed bump in the nation as a whole, achieving some true majority consensus on any issue before a law is passed. It is there to protect voices of the minority. But clearly we live in a time where the Democrats want to destroy all these things because they're stopping them in their quest. Now, this is office-holding members of the National Democratic Party, many of which are not any more Democrat, uh, if you look back to the founding of the party, uh, than I am. They're more modern socialists. Some of them are even open about it. We're democratic socialists. Well, you're just a socialist. And I do maintain that there is a difference between a classical Democrat. Now, a lot of the classical Democrats still had some pretty serious issues. The soft bigotry of low expectations, the insistence that uh, people of color are mentally inferior, so they can't be held to the same standards that they would all their white constituents. That's well demonstrated through every little excuse they offer up, and essentially every scheme they have is an effort to try and maintain control with little interest towards doing the, the work of the people or in representing people of color. They just want to perform racist acts and claim that that is, in fact, looking out for people of color. And sadly, too many people, mostly because of a softened public school system, one in which the leftist, the political left, controls uh, pretty much top-down in a majority of school districts. Thanks to the actions of lowered expectations, lowered mental capabilities, lowered uh, standards in teaching critical thought, they now have a large number of people of color and uh, white people out there that, uh, that believe the Democrats should lower the expectations for people of color. It's the only way to make it right. Except it does just the opposite. Now I'm going to circle back around to where I started. Sorry for going down that particular path as far as I did. It wasn't my intention. I miss the days when we would talk about the story, talk about how horrible it is. This kid evidently is a self-professed white supremacist. Congratulations, kid. You're one of about 22 people in this country that actually uh, thinks that you're a white supremacist. The kid said all kinds of uh, anti-people of color, anti-Semitic, anti-anybody other than his kind of white guy. Evidently, he has been pulled down this rabbit hole thanks to, well, they were certainly being accused of social media. He was evidently radicalized online. Now, this is a terminology that we hear more and more. But now, every time you hear radicalized online, you need to uh, perk your ears up and start looking at what the solutions to this that are being offered up. Because this is right along uh, the lines with our great Ministry of Truth. I'm sorry, the Disinformation Guidance Board. I mean, that's what they want to be called. I'll be censored for calling them the Ministry of Truth. But that's really still what they are. Ministry of their subjective truth. That's what we have being put in place. There is no 
subjective reality. There's no objective reality. There's only their subjective truth. And that's the truth that the ministry of truth is going to enforce. I can't tell you how many people I've heard speak up. Former uh, operatives in Homeland Security, former uh, directors of different ABC organizations within the uh, deep state, former advisors to former presidents, former advisors to current presidents, all saying the same thing. Law enforcement must be given the tools they need to try to stop this, including the ease at which radicalization can occur online. Translation, uh, they got to squash free speech, boys and girls. Now, I'm not somebody that wants uh, the internet to be complete and total wild, wild west where freaking neo-Nazis are out there recruiting any large amount. But we know that's going to happen. But here's an idea. Here's a thought. Not every kid is going to respond well to proper parenting. But maybe we should still start there. Maybe that's where we should try. Maybe we should be more involved with our kids' lives. That's certainly a criticism uh, that I could have worked on as my children have grown. I unfortunately, personally, and I will freely admit it, I was not there as much as I should have been for my kids. Mostly because I convinced myself that I was doing the important work because I was going and earning the living. It's a role that fathers have played in this, this culture for a very long time. And in other cultures before the creation of the United States. The mothers are the nurturers and the fathers are the, the strong, silent, uh, pent-up uh, breadwinners. Now, obviously, that's not uh, stereotypes we're even supposed to acknowledge these days. It's terrible to be in that position. I'll admit that I've had my own. So I, this isn't a case of uh, this isn't a case of hypocrisy. This is a case of self-realization and recognizing things could have been better. But the more I was involved with the various children that I have, the better the results I have seen. So I can tell you from personal experience, where I've been most hands-off, the results were not as good. So maybe that's a good place for us to start. The very idea, the notion that not that our children belong to the community, that our children uh, should be raised by the village, but the idea that we as parents should be raising our kids, that we shouldn't trust television as a babysitter. That we shouldn't trust the Disney Channel to provide a strong moral outview for our children. That we, in fact, should be the ones instilling those values. That's a start. Now, it's not the solution. It's not the complete and total. This is a complex issue that requires a great deal of multifunctional uh, interactions. But at the end of the day, it's a heck of a place to start. Moving forward from there, we continue. Better parental controls over the input that goes into our children's brain. Because our 
brains are computers, and computers are typically only as good as the input that's put into them. Now, this kid maybe had some issues that uh, would have required additional help. Clearly, he did. I mean, if in this modern age, you are willing to fall into the trap of racial supremacy of one kind or another as a philosophy that you think you can see the world through, then there's been something that's happened to you. Something that perhaps could be dealt with with stronger, more healthy relationships in your life. Uh, Better friends. uh, More supportive family structure. But all this is to the side. The solution is not to squash speech. The solution is not to give government more power. The solution is to take back more power for ourselves as individuals in our lives so that we can better affect the lives of those people we care most about. The solution is in us being sovereign citizens of this nation as she was founded the way it was meant to be. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what faith you follow or choose not to follow. It doesn't matter what your uh, your ancestral heritage may have been. What matters is if once you become a U.S. citizen, you are intended to be a sovereign citizen. You are intended to have liberty. Now, this liberty has requirements to go with it. There is a price to be paid for liberty, and that price begins with independence, self-sufficiency, responsibility. You are to be responsible for the choices you make. You are to live with the consequences of the choices you make, and you are to find a way to continue to move forward. There are generally two types of people in the world. There are those that will curl up in a little ball and cry about how unfair life is, and then there are those that will see the situation and look to find a way to turn the bad things into something they can use to make things better. Maybe they're only looking to make things better for themselves. Maybe they're only looking to make things better for their families. But the point of the matter is those people are the ones who end up becoming actual leaders, not just claim leadership by virtue of winning a popularity contest somewhere, but actual, honest-to-goodness leaders, leaders of people. Now, this is a horrific event, and all intents and purposes, it certainly looks like it was racially motivated, and that is abhorrent. I want to make no qualms about it. I don't want anyone misunderstanding any of the points I'm trying to make here, but this is not just as simple as some white kid. And let's be fair, he's just a kid. He's still suffering from a glorious lack of life experience. Something tells me that's about to change drastically for this guy. But he's still just a kid. This kid did a heinous thing based on a horrific philosophy. And it's a philosophy that is no worse if you turn it it directed at anyone else. 
you happen to be a young black person in this country and you just flat out hate all white people because you believe that they're oppressors. That's just as abhorrent. And until we can come to grips and realize and acknowledge and call it out across the board, regardless of who we are and what political party we affiliate with, any other ideological mind sense we may have, until we can call that out as being simple, objective truth, then we're going to continue to have these things no matter what the government tries to do. And if government continues to overstep its power and its authority, as it has been doing for decades, if not better than a century now, then it's only going to exacerbate the problem further. It's not going to solve a single thing. Now, my heart goes out to those people who lost loved ones in this event, the same as it does every time we hear about an incident like this. I hope that all of you who are listening will join me in praying for these families. The folks that are forced now to live with this massive hole in their lives, this missing individual that was part of their families, that was part of their heart. That will pray for them comfort and strength. And that will pray for them to find solace rather than bitterness. Because that's what these folks need right now, rather than political rhetoric on television or on social media. They need to know that we, their fellow Americans, regardless of what color we are, regardless of what faith we follow or don't, that we have genuine empathy for them. That we mourn for them, not as strongly as they do because we don't know them, we can't, but that we do mourn. And that every incident that occurs, justice should be pursued and justice should be found. Not vengeance, but justice. And there is a difference, although many people in this modern age really don't seem to care that there's a difference. They don't want to think about the difference, and that's part of what's going to either sway this nation back towards the melding pot that she once was or continue to exacerbate this horrific path we seem to be on where we are separating from one another. The very fact that this particular neighborhood was 80% black demonstrates part of the issue. Now, it's human nature to want to be around those more like yourself. But at the same time, if we have neighborhoods and major cities that are so divisive, oh, this is a black neighborhood. Oh, this is a Hispanic neighborhood. Oh, this is a white neighborhood. When the point is we should be working to try to have as close as possible homogenous neighborhoods. 
Yeah, I know. Here I am being all Pollyanna again. Tim, just when I thought you'd gotten so cynical that you could actually continue to live in this world, listen at you now. Well, what's wrong with hoping for good things? I mean, I'm full on board with the idea of hoping for the best but preparing for the worst, and I certainly want you to prepare. Be prepared. That's part of taking that power back for yourself. That's part of being responsible. You're never going to hear me say, oh, enjoy the blessings of liberty without reminding you that means you're going to have to take individual responsibility. Because the two simply can't exist without the other. They must be paired to truly function. That's why we were warned by Benjamin Franklin and by others that a government established the way we have requires a certain amount of morality for the people to maintain it, to hold on to it, for it to not be perverted and twisted into just another means of individuals forcing their agendas on others. We were warned then, at the onset, the recognition was there. There is no way to 100% guarantee that a government that is made of people will continue to function as it is intended. And a lot of that has to do with so many people these days saying, oh, there's so much inaction on the part of the government. That was the plan. When it comes to our federal government, it wasn't supposed to be able to snap your fingers and make something just go. The efforts to avoid knee-jerk reactions, which are often the wrong reactions, was considered. The idea that a majority of people could be swayed temporarily to, to move away from their standing principles uh, and then will be forced to deal with unintended consequences because their emotions were engaged, that was considered. That was part of all these processes. That's why they're important that we continue to stand up for them now. Let's continue to fight for our federal government to not be able to move swiftly. There's too many things they still move way too quickly on as it is. Oh, we got to do emergency funding for Ukraine. Hey, I want the people of Ukraine to be free as much as anyone. But I also seem to recall uh, sitting in an airplane one time and the flight stewardess uh, saying, in the event of a loss of air pressure in the cabin, these breathing devices will fall from the ceiling. If you happen to have small children with you, Make sure that you secure your own first because you will not be able to adequately assist anyone else until you are in a position to do so. I think that very concept is very apropos right now based on what our federal government's doing. Whether you're talking about our current inflationary economic disaster and we're just going to keep sending trillions of dollars to Ukraine that we're apparently pulling out of our backsides. We're going to continue to send pallets and pallets of baby formula to the southern border and to Ukraine, even though we can't seem to put pallets of baby formula on the shelves in American stores. Again, nobody wants 
a immigrant child to go hungry. Nobody wants a refugee child from Ukraine to go hungry. I don't. But I do want to make sure that American children aren't starving first because that's what we have to do before we can help somebody else. Is that so hard a concept? But we don't get there by administering a ministry of truth. We don't get there by giving more power to the federal government. We don't get there by ignoring our own individual responsibilities to our fellow man and expect the government to do it for us because they're going to take other people's money at gunpoint if necessary and then just go do whatever they want. That is wrong. It has always been wrong. It is so wrong that that's why we fought the Revolutionary War, despite what some folks, looking at you, 1819 Project, uh, what other folks might suggest. The 1619 Project uh, tells lies about what the founding of this country was based on. It was based on the idea that certain things are right and certain things are wrong, and that even if there was divine determination for a monarch, which was not a concept they entirely threw out at that point, that that monarch was still expected to live up to the expectations of what the divine would want them to do. And when they refused to acknowledge basic human dignity, they were failing to follow the design of the divine. Therefore, their rule had become, well, invalidated. That's a good word. It's not the word I was looking for, but it'll work. Today's show is probably going to be a little long, mostly because, well, mostly because I had to cut Thursday's show short uh, unexpectedly. I was in the middle of doing it, and I got a notification that required me to, well, to leave uh, rather quickly. So kind of put things on autopilot and uh, entrusted someone else to help uh, push the final buttons to close things out. So we'll probably be going a little longer today. In fact, may do a full extra hour. There are enough things I would like to get to. And this topic is no small topic. Uh, I am going to leave it there and move on. Uh, something tells me we will be readdressing it sooner rather than later. In the meanwhile, let's go ahead and take that uh, mid-hour break for that first break. Uh, after all, we are 30 minutes in, a little longer than now. So you guys don't go anywhere. I'll be back right after this. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. America. 
United States has been the greatest nation on earth, but unless there are major changes made in the near future, our national greatness will be a distant memory. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee, our great republic has been seriously compromised and severely weakened by the policies of regime leader Joe Biden. You might recall that when Joe Biden was campaigning, he proudly barked out to an audience of black Americans that they're going to put you back in chains. But when one observes, it is easy to understand that in reality, it is the abysmal Joe Biden who has put our entire republic in chains. The United States is now chained to the mercy of enemy nations for petroleum because Uncle Joe destroyed our energy independence. Many elderly Americans are chained to their homes because the Biden regime and Soros district attorneys throughout the United States have made sure that the full variety of thugs are free to burglarize, rape, and murder law-abiding young and old sovereign citizens without any real chance of doing hard time for their crimes. There are other examples as well, but the bottom line is, if our United States is to be that shining city on a hill example to the world again, we must reestablish the godly principles that made America the beautiful envy of the world. If not, forget about it. I'm Ron Edwards. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. You're listening to Tap Into the Truth. My name's Joe Biden. I keep forgetting I'm president. All right. Yeah, there is no doubt. Uh, if you're asking me about Joseph Bidenette, oh, I'm sorry, Joseph, Ro- Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. I see that. That's the kind of day it's been. Uh, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. Asking me about him. Yeah, I will agree. He is no good. Speaking of no good, um, it would appear Buffalo is not the only place that's suffering with violence. Uh, violence has been pretty bad across the country. Now, it's Almost humorous now, almost humorous, because number one, I don't live in Chicago, and uh, number two, uh, the people of Chicago deal with this on such a daily basis, but it's become almost funny when you hear Lori Lightfoot, or any other Democrat for that matter in the city, come out and talk about how uh, their policies are going to fix things for the city, because it's their policies that for decades that have been destroying the city. But you see Chicago and Buffalo and New York City and Los Angeles and Portland and and all these places where lefties are in control and have been for a long time. They're not the only places dealing with it because there are also places you might not think about right off the bat, like uh, Milwaukee, for example. Now, Milwaukee, uh, if you're not aware, they have an NBA basketball team known as the Bucks. Now, if you're an NBA fan, you probably do know that. If you don't follow sports, maybe you did, maybe you don't. But the Milwaukee Bucks are currently in the NBA playoffs, and they uh, have a Game 7 in a uh, Eastern Conference uh, round, uh, matchup with, with the Boston Celtics. And, um, you know, they were going to have uh, this uh, a watch party 
in the, the downtown Milwaukee area for this Game 7, but they've had to cancel it. Why? Because there was a string of shootings in the city this past Friday that left a lot of folks injured. So the mayor of Milwaukee has imposed an 11 p.m. curfew for the, well, for certain parts of the city. Uh, There are still some parts of the city that, you know, you can go about whatever you want to. But certain parts, you got an 11 p.m. curfew. Now, I'm thinking that maybe 11 might be a little too early. Uh, I mean, might be a little too late. If your hope is to stop violence, wouldn't a 10 p.m. curfew be better? I mean, we all know how well curfews work, right? Uh, but, yeah, you know, this gives them an excuse. If they want to pursue an individual they see out, and say, well, you know, you're violating curfew. Anyway, on Friday night, the Celtics defeated the Milwaukee Bucks in Milwaukee to force a Game 7. So during that game... The Bucks held a watch party for roughly 11,000 fans in what's known as the Deer District. Uh, it's an outside area located near the stadium in the downtown Milwaukee area. Uh, however, shootings broke out that dispersed the crowd after the game. To help local authorities, the Bucks announced that the Game 7 watch party has been canceled. Quote, in order to allow law enforcement to devote needed resources to the continued investigation of last night's events, we have decided to cancel tomorrow's planned watch party on the plaza. Dear district businesses will remain open as usual. We continue to work with Milwaukee Police Department and other public safety partners to provide a safe and welcoming environment for our fans we plan to have further details soon so one of the shootings left three injured just outside of the team stadium there were two other shootings on nearby streets Uh, police have 11 suspects in custody and all victims are expected to survive this uh, being quoted by uh, a usa today report they said that mayor uh Johnston imposed a curfew for parts of downtown both Saturday and Sunday, going into effect at 11 p.m. Uh, Bill Rainmer, uh, Rainman, I'm sorry, Rainman, actually, I think it might be correct. Uh, R E I N E M A N N, Rainman. Okay, Bill, sorry, I do not mean to disrespect you by butchering your last name. Honestly, I don't. Anyway, Bill's a parking attendant that works uh, near the uh, forum. He told Fox 6 local affiliate that he was supportive of the decision to cancel the watch party, saying, quote, It pains me to see people suffering as a result of other people's stupidity, basically. Actually, kind of glad that at least the idea has been tabled for right now. He also said that hundreds of people fled the scene on Friday night. Uh, Multiple people came and uh, leaned on one of the fencing panels and collapsed it, and probably about two or 300 people rushed in. So Jamie Kennedy was at a nearby bar in Milwaukee on Friday night and said that the event was pretty scary, saying, quote, I'm sure there's a lot of disappointed fans. It isn't happening. But at the same point, I understand from a safety standpoint. 
Now, in less than 12 hours on Friday, Milwaukee police responded to shootings that killed three and left 25 injured. The Milwaukee Bucks are defending NBA Finals champions, and the winner of Sunday's game against the Celtics will head to the Eastern Conference Finals. So a lot on the line for the Bucks, and sadly, the local fans will not get to engage in what was ordinarily a a fun community building activity. Rooting for the local team, watching, getting to hang out together with other people, rooting for the local team. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, you may ask me, why is this the kind of story that I'm spending any significant time on? Because usually this is something that if I touch on it, that that's basically what I do, and I move on quickly. Because there's a lot of more important things going on. Uh, granted, not a lot of people that were killed in this event. A lot of people were injured. A lot more could have been. And what's worse is this is probably just some local criminal activity that would have happened at any other gathering should it have happened. But it's the fact that this has to be done in the first place. Doesn't this tell you everything you need to know? The Milwaukee Bucks are being swayed by local safety concerns. I don't fault them for canceling this party, but I do tend to think that these watch parties are still a general positive. The kind of thing that probably would help to uh, alleviate such things in the future. These shootings are based on divisions. There's still not a whole lot of information readily available for news outlets outside of the Milwaukee area. I'm sure there's much stronger speculation, a lot more actual details available in the local market. But again, that also kind of tells the narrative too, doesn't it? We really want to talk about how this is for public safety. We really want to talk about how gun violence is involved. But we really don't want to talk about, at least at the national level, who's responsible for this violence. Maybe that's where we should begin looking at this story to see how we can best serve public safety. Maybe asking the question, who's responsible for this, is the best starting place. Because, see, here's where we're at. Without knowing who's actually responsible, without having that information more readily available, we're forced to make assumptions. So one of two things is the most likely scenario. Most likely scenario, number one, uh, a couple of rival gangs happen to be at this same uh, event. And eventually they just couldn't stand being so close to each other without taking a shot at one another. And inevitably innocent people get caught in the crossfire. That's most likely scenario number one, and I tend to think it's most likely scenario, period. Now, it seems like if you were doing a better job of policing your communities and stopping gang activity, uh, that would be alleviated. Now, most likely scenario number two, and I think is significantly less likely, but it's certainly plausible given the modern age. Some people that were upset at the actual results of the game decided that they were going to take shots at people that were trying to rub it in. Because let's also realize that there are probably a good number of people that live in the city of uh, Milwaukee that are actually Boston Celtic fans. 
there was a time not too far in the past where you could be a fan of one team, even though you lived in the territory of a different team, and it would just create a level of good-natured ribbing back and forth. It would only create this uh, level of quasi-hostility that wasn't real. This level of not-real quasi-hostility was based solely on the love of your team. And you realized, because you had some level of self-control, that this, no matter how badly something occurred on the field, on the court, wherever the particular sporting event may be occurring, that it was never worthy of the type of action that would lead to physical violence. Now, there would be occasions where bad things would happen and people would get hurt uh, because of a panicked crowd reacting to something occurring, but it was never the intention of direct one-on-one physical aggression. Now, that changed uh, throughout, well, I guess maybe the earliest roots of this may have been discovered back in the late 70s. wasn't frequent, but it still occurred It continued to uh, foster throughout the 80s and 90s, and now in the uh, 2000s, it seems to be more par for the course. It's less of a story now if violence breaks out between fans or even if violence breaks out between someone off the court and someone on the court. If we're talking about NBA basketball, there's been multiple players that have gone into the stands to go after fans. That level of self-control, you can kind of, if you've ever been an athlete, you can kind of uh, understand why an athlete that's currently engaged in competition may be a little more prone to losing their cool and reacting to what a fan does. But if you're just a fan up in the stands, there should be none of that. And it certainly should never get to the point where, okay, you may be mad enough now that I'm going to punch you in the face. Uh, That should be the maximum, if ever. But it should never be, okay, you may be mad enough now, I'm just going to pop a cap in you. That, that's just, where is the self-control? See, I remembered once upon a time when that used to be the, uh, the thing. I mean, we, we used to, to gather around sports. Sports helped to build community. Sports helped to, to teach good sportsmanship. Uh, used to teach you how to to win with dignity and how to how to lose with grace. Used to teach you how to overcome setbacks. These are things that sports still can do, and still should be able to do, even if you're not the one actively participating. Which is why I tend to lean back to. Most likely scenario number one being the most likely scenario. Because these people really don't have much to do about sports as much as it is about, okay, now we've ran into somebody that is a rival, that is a competitor. Someone that you genuinely feel like if you don't shoot at them first, they're going to shoot at you. So with all that in mind... It leads us back to what is the appropriate role of government. The appropriate role in government here is to step in and provide better security on the streets. 
The proper role of government here is to do a better job of policing gang activity within the city. To do a better job with community outreach so that the communities themselves do not continue to be supportive and foster gang activity within the confines of their homes. The overwhelming majority of citizens of Milwaukee do not want this happening, even if they're not the folks that are most likely to go out to watch a watch party for the Milwaukee Bucks. So you can complain about what happened all you want to. And it is disappointing. If you're a fan of the Bucks and you really wanted to see this, especially if you're expecting the bulk, the Bucks to pull out a Game 7 uh, heart stopper and continue their quest for repeats. May have to find an alternative. But who's really responsible here? That's the question you need to ask yourself. It's not the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks did the responsible thing. If they can't make sure there's adequate security, adequate safety for the people that would come participate, then they should cancel it. It's not something I would like. I would hate it if we were having an event here locally and that I was looking forward to it. I would hate it. I would probably complain. Why can't you just doubt security? Why can't you? And unfortunately, logistically, these things just aren't always possible. It only takes one bad apple to spoil the bunch. You've, you've heard that adage. It's not really so much about apples as it is the actions of one bad actor. Somebody's going to go out and do something wrong, then a lot of people ultimately end up paying a consequence for it. it. goes back to the life not being fair thing we've discussed on multiple occasions. It's legitimate. It, it's there. And that's what's happened here. So if you're a Bucks fan and you live in Milwaukee, you're looking forward to going tonight. Quick reminder, time of the live broadcast is actually... Uh, the 15th Sunday, the night that the Bucks will be playing uh, the Celtics. You know, just in case you're hearing the rebroadcast or you come to the show a few days late uh, at podcast. You know, if you were planning on going tonight, then I'm sorry, I, and there's not much you can do, but it, it really is a case of the Bucks doing the right thing. They can't go about and provide the extra security. They shouldn't have to. The city's not going to. The city probably can't under its current uh, administration anyway. But even if it could, they're not likely to because, again, who's most likely responsible for the violence? So don't be mad at the Bucks. I'm not sure who you should be mad at. I mean, I have my ideas, but again, I don't live in that community. I can't tell you who to be angry at, not when it comes to that. I can point some fingers in some general directions of folks that maybe you should look at and then decide for yourself. I can say, what about your local politicians who haven't done enough to make the streets safer? I can say, what about you? What about you? Have you done everything you could to... Be engaged and involved in your community to mentor young kids to keep them away from 
the kind of activities that lead to this violence on the street. I mean, that, I think we all need to be asking ourselves that. Every time something like this happens in your community, you need to examine yourself as well as anyone else. I mean, you should. I, I know I do. And I find myself in the sketch 22 of having so very little time for the things I'm already pursuing. But can I make enough time to get more involved? Can I make enough time to try and help change the course of the lives of young people to help them to stand up against the type of peer pressure that might lead them to joining a gang in the first place? To help mold them in a moral fashion so that even though maybe they're Moral code doesn't exactly look identical to mine, that at least it has a strong basis on the ideas that there are objective right and wrong, no matter what you base it on. Because, I mean, I think we can all do that, can't we? And if we can, shouldn't we? I mean, now, if the left is going to tell us that it takes a village to raise our kids, now I'm saying we need to raise our own kids. But... In the cases where that's not happening, can't we find some way to help? At the end of the day, it's still something that it's not going to be solved overnight, but we really don't spend enough time looking at how much we can do to help our own communities. And if we take it on a community at a time, if we take it on one kid at a time, then maybe we can make a small dent. And if we can encourage other people in our community to start doing the same thing, maybe that small dent turns into a big dent. And if that catches on fire, if that becomes the new norm, if we start taking back our power, our authority, and start living up to the requirements of our responsibilities, maybe that changes, well, maybe that changes everything. And right now we're about to head into the summer. You know, we, we're, we're warming up. Uh, lots of places across the country are seeing uh, high 70s, low 80 degree weather this week and are expected in the upcoming weeks. We're not officially to summer yet, but it's starting to feel very summer. And as you know, the heat just uh, exacerbates the problem, especially at night. So uh, let's... Let's kind of see if we can't have a bigger impact before things heat up out there far too much. And, uh, you know, speaking of summer, there's a couple of things that go on in summer that I think maybe we don't spend enough time focused on. There's a lot of good things that happen in summer. You know, there's a lot of great sports if you happen to like sports. There's a lot of opportunities to travel, despite the best efforts of uh, the Biden administration to make sure that we can't. Heaven forbid that you should uh, be able to afford to drive to a destination uh, within three hours of your location and enjoy some time. But inevitably, there's also weddings. Well, there's spring weddings, there's summertime weddings, and these are some of the best ones. So it's a good time to remind you about Honey Fund. You can go to HoneyFund.com. Check out what they're doing. But if you're not familiar with Honey Fund, uh, put it quite simply, Honey Fund makes honeymoons happen. 
They are legitimately the most trusted honeymoon registry site in the world. They fund your honeymoon through their business. That is what they do. And with a Honey Fund page, wedding guests' contributions can become cash directly in your hand. Uh, Cash you can use to travel together. Cash you can use as a down payment on a brand new home. Basically, any of your newly uh, minted life together financial goals early on. So just sign up and see why. HoneyFund's simple yet powerful cash registry is better than any of their competitors. Whether it's for honeymoons, whether it's for a home down payment, like I said, any other saving goal for that matter. Just go visit HoneyFund.com. There will be a link in the show description. But HoneyFund.com is easy enough to follow. Uh, full disclosure, I do own a small equity amount in the company. Now, with that, let's let's leave this first hour in the dust, shall we? Hour number one is coming to a close. So if you're listening on terrestrial radio, then that means that this is a goodbye for now because the show was divided up into one-hour segments on terrestrial radio. means if you want to hear hour number two of today's broadcast, you'll need to tune in again tomorrow at the same time at the same station. Uh, Presumably that won't be too difficult, but I hope you'll set a reminder if it's not something you ordinarily do. In the meanwhile, please, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. That's it for now. If you're listening to the podcast, stay where you're at. Stay right where you're at. Hour number two starts right after this. If you're listening on radio, but you're afraid you may not catch hour number two, then go find us on wherever you listen to your podcast. There's a good chance we're probably there. Oh, yeah. And uh, one quick message I'd like to send to uh, Joe Biden, by the way. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go,
She couldn't say why He was different in her eyes Saw them years ago is in a crucial stage It's not because of foreign wars we wage It's more to do with the colors blue and red Too many laws and too much government Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread So many people trying to cross the border And politicians build a new world order too many minds are convinced they should be led I've got to be free The way God made men And I won't be ruled by the damn you went Taking your right to self-defense They say you're safer but they don't make sense Dangerous ones will not turn into guns Always ask for more All we buy is made on foreign shores Come a day when there'll be real help pay I've gotta be free The way God made men And I won't be ruled by the damn you wet Welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I'm your ever-so-humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tapkamatia, from historic Roan County, Tennessee. I am still fighting this crud that I can't seem to get to shake loose, and today I'm feeling under the weather with some other things, too, but I'm trying hard not to, not to make it obvious, so uh, hopefully I'm still delivering uh, as well as I ordinarily would, although it kind of felt like uh, at the bottom part of the last hour, I probably uh, probably was pretty noticeable. So I want to apologize to anybody. That, well, you know. Anyway, I apologize, but uh, the show must go on. Uh, there's no doubt about that. So I will continue and we'll do the best that we can. Uh, please forgive me. This is, in fact, the second hour of a live broadcast that occurred on May the 15th of 2022. That's for the benefit of those of you that are listening to the rebroadcast on Terrestrial Radio, as uh, you often get hours one and two on separate days, and almost always at least one day removed from the date of its uh, recording, sometimes even more than that. 
this may be one of those occasions as well as I am at least right now hoping to do a third hour. And I don't want it to just be bonus content for the uh, podcast listeners, but uh, who knows? We may end up leaving it there, too. Uh, the way I'm feeling right now, I can't guarantee I'm going to make it for that third hour. So uh, I may have to, like, just do an extra single hour later or something. I just, uh, anyway, let's let's get to things because you guys don't want to hear me whining about this. You'd rather hear me whining about politics, right? <laughs> that is typically why... Most of the listeners of this show uh, show up here. All right, so uh, here's something from the other day that uh, caught my attention, and I I just couldn't help but talk about it. Seems that while discussing America's energy production uh, this past Friday, Democratic House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer, uh, he blasted Republican criticism of Joe Biden's handling of the gasoline crisis, uh, during what he referred to as a time of war. Now, Hoyer claimed that Americans need to focus on the enemy, Russia. Okay, so uh, as pointed out by many pundits and Republicans, those were peculiar comments to make considering that the U.S. is not officially at war with Russia. And even if we were, disagreeing with the president would still be allowed. Uh, quoting here, the Biden administration approved more drilling permits in 2021 than the Trump administration approved in the first three years they were in office. Uh, this is something that Hoyer said. He said it from the House floor in response to Republican statements about Biden's energy policies. Later, he added, I don't know how the Republican leader rationalizes his comments about Biden constricting petroleum production. Uh, it is unfortunate that in a time of war that we spend all the time blaming our president. It is unfortunate that when the Europeans put themselves over the objections of numerous administrations, in a place where they had a dependence on Russia, Russia has no leverage over us. I wish we'd get off this and really focus on the enemy. Now, this is all Hoyer talking. He continued remarking, saying, I know there's a lot of politics here, but we're at war. We need to produce energy. Well, yeah, we do need to produce energy. Uh, how about we actually get started on that? Now, in response, Congressman Chip Roy, Republican from Texas, tweeted uh, ponderingly, uh, quote, In a time of war, did we vote on a declaration of war asking for a friend? Now, independent journalist Glenn Greenwald added, quote, Apparently, according to Democratic Majority Leader Steny Hoyer, we are in a time of war which makes criticism of our president unfortunate. I didn't realize the U.S. was at war. Okay, I did. But even so, that's not actually a reason to refrain from criticizing Joe Biden. So while the U.S. has not technically entered the war on Ukraine's behalf, the federal government has supplied billions, and I do mean billions of dollars, to Ukraine in the form of aid since Russia invaded all the way back in February. Doesn't that seem like so much longer ago at this point? 
Currently, the Senate's negotiating another round, a $40 billion aid package that will be officially voted on uh, this upcoming week. And as uh, has been reported in multiple outlets, uh, Senator Rand Paul temporarily blocked that bill this past Thursday while requesting that an amendment be added to it that would allow an inspector general to oversee how the money would be spent. And at first, there was a lot of balking at that idea. But let's go back to Steny Hoyer. Steny says we're at war. Now, in a lot of ways, we've certainly been acting like it. I mean, we might as well be, right? The only thing we're not... The only thing we're not doing at this point is actively shooting at Russian soldiers. We're not actively pulling the trigger on anti-aircraft to try and shoot down Russian planes. We're not boots on the ground uh, moving in the direction of Belarus. None of these things are happening. None of the three occur. But... uh, and we might as well be at war. I mean, we're giving them money. We're giving them weapons. We're training them. I mean, we're doing everything but doing it ourselves. But let's ponder a bit of what's actually caused this energy crisis, shall we? Quick reminder that uh, the Biden administration decided just this past week to not auction off uh, leases for development of oil removal from the Gulf of Mexico. Multiples that were in play that probably would have seriously helped us. Their beggar idea is to send part of our strategic petroleum reserve, not release it for consumption here in the United States, but to release it and then send it to Europe. Again, we literally have a barely there Beijing Biden who is legitimately America last. We have the complete and total polar opposite of the previous administration. I mean, the orange man who was bad, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist, the Donald. He was all about America first, and he believed in America first, and he believed in having sessions where he discussed the craziest thoughts that came to mind. No idea was a bad idea. Throw it out there, and then they would discuss. This has drawn a lot of criticism. A lot of people that had worked in his administration are now trying to cash in, saying that he was a wild man. He would say crazy things. He wanted to do crazy things. He would just throw out ideas. Can't we do this? Can't we do that? He was definitely, and continues to be, I might add, from all indications, a guy who likes to talk first and think about it after the fact. Because his thought process is a string of consciousness may throw out a thousand bad ideas, but may eventually lead to that one really great idea that nobody's thought of. Something that served him well in his years in business. It's worked very well for him. The key point is he was always willing to listen to advisors. Sometimes he listened a little too much. Sometimes he took the wrong advice from the wrong advisor. Sometimes he trusted credentials over common sense. That would be my only major criticism of Donald Trump as president of the United States. But the point of the matter is, is he would throw out all these crazy ideas and he would do that uh, just to see uh, essentially 
what stuck. You know, throw everything at the wall, what sticks. Oh, that's a good one? Well, then let's go with that. And he encouraged his advisors to do the same, but many of them were too prim, too proper, too buttoned up. We're serious people doing a serious job. We can't engage like that. Uh, except why not? Because then somebody else in the room might write the book and say that, oh, well, not only did you encourage Donald Trump to try to come up with crazy stuff, but you engaged in coming up with crazy stuff too? Is that your fear? Is that your concern? Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what was discussed behind doors. It matters what happened in public policy. Now, there are certain conversations that should never be had, but it's only when those conversations are followed up on and become policy and the bad things occur that we need to have that serious conversation. Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., a.k.a. barely there, Beijing Biden, has been the worst president in American history, and Jimmy Carter thanks him every day for that. He won't say so publicly, but I promise you, God has heard it many times. Jimmy's actually a pretty religious guy. At any rate, uh, as we can see happening here, Steny Hoyer wants you to not question the president in a time of war. Does this mean that at any point in time that any country anywhere is at war, that that's a time of war? The real enemy, Russia, is who we should be worried Is Russia really our enemy or is Vladimir Putin our enemy? You know, I, I'm asking for a friend because I'm using rhetoric that I've heard from previous democratic administrations. I'm using their language to ask these questions because you keep telling me one second when you guys are in charge that we need to be very focused and, and be very direct and very deliberate. And then when the other guys are in charge, we need to just be all willy-nilly and make anything uh, we want to say fit and be true, whether it is or not. So which is it, guys? Now, I personally tend to believe that the people of Russia would rather not be involved in Ukraine right now. Every indication, every bit of smuggled out news, every bit of uh, knowledge that we have indicates that that's pretty much the case. Very few people in Russia support being involved militarily in Ukraine in the first place. So this does indeed make Vladimir Putin the true enemy, not Russia proper. But it's kind of hard to deal with Vladimir without dealing with Russia, right? Am I just splitting hairs here? Am I being too focused because sometimes the best solutions are the simplest ones should we be more aggressive maybe not but is this grounds is this reason for not criticizing a sitting president because i seem to recall during the time of war a lot of leftist activists being very loud a lot of democratic office holders that is at the national level, being very loud in their condemnations of a George W. Bush. And we were told then that that's not unpatriotic. That, in fact, is very patriotic. They have a patriotic duty to be the... Well, to, to be the voice of opposition? That was their role in the government. And hey, you know what? I will actually agree that is their role in government. Plus, uh, coming out and saying really dumb things at a time of war uh, can be very helpful. But if you're saying really smart things at a time of war, uh, maybe you should be listened to. 
if you're saying something really smart like, hey, maybe we should actually start uh, granting these leases and let these uh, energy companies get back in the business of producing energy for the United States of America, regain our energy independence, and then start helping our allies in Europe with their dependence on Russian fuel. I mean, that to me, that makes sense. That's something that seems like would be good for America, would be good for Europe, would be bad for Vladimir. I, I think that sounds like a pretty simple, pretty straightforward, pretty good idea. Uh, if I'm wrong, somebody please correct me, and I'm sure Steny will be happy. Mr. Hoyer? Well, well, I'm sorry, a Congressman Hoyer. I should give full respect for the title he holds. I, I don't mean any disrespect to the office, but I do have a little disrespect for the comments. Because it's literally the opposite of what you guys said both under Trump and under Bush. The exact opposite of what you guys were claiming. And Steady, I'm pretty sure you were there for both of those. So what gives? Because Biden's your boy? Is that it? He's your he's your homeboy. He's representing the 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 power of the party. What? What's what's changed? What's the difference in your mind, Steny? And of course, you would rather the American people focus on Russia, the, the American people focus on Putin. We've already seen your desperate attempts at that, haven't we? Uh, well, you know, it's it's uh, uh, the Putin price hike, the Putin price hike, the Putin price. Yeah, trying really hard to get the American people to focus on Vladimir Putin, who's really still only desperately trying to find moose and squirrel. It's really that's all that's about. Okay, not really, but here's here's the fun part. Naturally, you want the American people focused on anybody but Joe Biden and the Democrats because right now you guys, you own it whether you want to or not. You did it. Day one. Day one, the executive orders that were being signed by Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. while people like you, Steny, cheered on from the sidelines started the destruction of our energy independence, which is a first step towards this horrific and ridiculous inflationary spending policies that you've continued ever since. So this inflation, it's on the Biden administration and on congressional and senatorial Democrats who helped push this through. And anybody with an R at the end of their name that also helped to push through all the reckless spending also, by the way. But these were still your policies. They weren't offered up by Donald Trump. They weren't offered up by Barack Obama. They weren't offered up by George W. Bush. This was offered up by Joseph Robinette Biden Jr.'s administration, whether it was him personally or somebody that's actually pulling the strings behind him. That's where the blame goes. You did this. You need to own it. The American people are not going to be distracted by this, I'm sorry to say. According to most recent polling, even the hubbub over this leaked draft opinion from the Supreme Court where you thought you were going to get every abortionist and uh, every supporter of abortion in the country riled up, uh, the most recent polls suggest that that's not having the kind of impact that you think. That things like missing baby formula 
the looming shadow of food shortages, the fact that their dollar won't go anywhere, the fact that they're having to spend three, four, and in some parts of the country, five times as much to fill up their vehicle with gasoline as they were the day that Joe Biden took office. All these things are looming much larger in the hearts and minds of the American people. You're messing with their ability to live their life. You can rile up some folks on the edges. You can get some folks really... By the way, if you haven't heard, there's an expectation that at least one of the uh, remaining opinions will be announced, will be formally finalized. Everybody's speculating that it is the Dobbs case, the one that's set to overturn Roe v. Wade. May not be. We don't know with certainty. But everybody's suspecting that due to the nature of the protests and the violence and the threats against the justices, they'll probably go ahead and do that so that you can move on to the next stage. I think that's a good idea because I think all these people need to understand that you're not going to be able to coerce Supreme Court justices based on mob mentality. I think they need to continue to provide additional protection to all of the justice, the lefties included, and I've said why on multiple occasions. And it's not because it's something that I want to have happen. It's not wishful thinking on my part. It's that we've seen these people act up before. Leaking this has put all of the justices' lives in danger. Conservative, middle-of-the-road, mushy-mealy, spineless, and Uber leftist uh, justices all alike. They're all in danger. Any one of them could be targeted. This was done by a leaker who should face criminal charges for what they've done. At the very least, there's an obstruction of justice charge that could be made here and should be made here. But it makes sense, right? It makes sense. Steny Hoyer does not want you looking at what the Democrats own here. I want you thinking about the fact that, oh, well, look at this. Uh, we could fix this. We could fix this in a hurry. We could get Joe Biden to sign executive orders that undo all the executive orders he put in place that harms the American energy sector. We could get Joseph Biden to write executive orders telling the executive branches that are facilitating the actions to get the baby formula onto the store shelves. The baby formula that they're currently sending to the southern border for the illegal border crossing migrants. That alone would probably be enough to, to severely uh, impact the shortage level. But uh, then while we're at it, let's uh, get that baby formula that they've been sending uh, to Poland for the Ukrainian refugees. Tim, how dare you want these poor children to starve? I don't want them to starve. But the ones on the southern border had a choice. Well, their parents did. 
they chose to come here. They need to choose to deal with the consequences thereof, and that is that until they become citizens, they're not entitled to anything other than our legal proceedings. And quite honestly, our legal proceedings are still jacked up. They're getting better treatment than they should because if you try to cross our border anywhere other than a legal port of entry, then you're not seeking asylum. So asking for asylum in those circumstances should be immediately denied, and you should be immediately uh, exited from the nation. Period. End of that discussion. Sorry how bad your life was before, but it's not going to magically get better just by coming here unless you do it the right way. Period. I am open to a discussion all day long with anybody who wants to talk about making it easier to legally enter the country. I am. I'm willing to have that conversation. And as long as you're not going to put in a situation where there's zero background checks or some other ridiculous leftist notions, then maybe we could come to an agreement. And I would even support your effort to get those laws changed. But I'm never going to support illegally crossing our border, period. If you don't have enough respect for our laws for that, I don't care what your motivation is, then I can't trust you to be a productive member of our society anyway at any point. Even if you were to be granted immunity and eventually become a citizen, I can't trust you to be a good citizen. I mean, does that make me a bad person? Am I wrong for saying, oh, you should show at least a minimum amount of respect for our nation and our laws before you decide to come here? Because if that makes me wrong, then I'm perfectly okay with being wrong. That make me a bad person? Fine. I'll be a bad person. You can paint me to be the bad guy in your situation, your little coloring book of leftist ideology, all you want to. AOC, you can make me your next big supervillain in your little superhero AOC comic book, which you know I don't know if that's even still a thing that's going on. But if that is still going on, uh, I can't imagine it was ever profitable. But if it is still going on... By all means, uh, I will be the next big villain, okay? I'm there to stop illegal border crossing. And the reason that I feel that way is because we have made it easier to legally cross our border. We have the work programs that are in place. We have a multitude of other programs. We are allowing people at the moment. That needs to change. But we are allowing people to seek asylum even after having crossed our border at an illegal location as opposed to coming across at a legal port of entry, which is what our law still technically prescribes. So, I mean, excuse me, but how do we end up at this point? How do we end up uh, having to look at uh, Vladimir Putin? As the sole reason for inflation in the United States, for the sole reason for gas prices in the United States, when the climb in gas prices started well before there was even a whisper of Russian troops amassing outside of the Ukrainian border. How long, Steny? How long do you and your fellow Democrats honestly believe you're going to continue to be able to put the American people dead last on your list of concerns and priorities and expect to maintain a position of power and authority in this country? I mean the answer clearly has already been for far too long. 
because it's not like this is a new development. It's not like the Democrats finally woke up just last week and said, hey, you know what? Let's just put America dead last. It's not like the Democrats just woke up and said, hey, you know what? That Donald Trump was all America first. Let's really be the complete and total opposite of that guy. Because, you know, he was so bad. This isn't a new phenomenon within the party. It's just they've never been so brazenly, brazenly wide out in the open about it. It is right freaking there. They're so brazen. They're so focused. Oh, yes, we know we could do this, but uh, this is an opportunity to refocus the American economy on clean, green energies. Never let an opportunity or a crisis go to waste, right? Just like the shooting in Buffalo. Oh, this is all the more reason for us to crack down on gun ownership and all the more reason for us to crack down on what's uh, available online, all the more reason to crack down on free speech. All things that we've already... We started hearing that before we had official body counts, there were people taking to Twitter with D's at the end of their name, currently holding office. Why can't we do this? There were candidates, senatorial candidates in upcoming elections of primaries are going to be held this upcoming Tuesday. Actually, today, if you're listening on terrestrial radio, because this is the second hour, two-hour live broadcast, well, probably three hours today, a broadcast that took place on Sunday. So hour one was on Monday. Uh, this being hour number two will probably be played on Tuesday. So uh, today, if you're listening on terrestrial radio, primary races where candidates were saying, why can't we pass comprehensive immigration reform? Why can't we pass common sense gun reform? Why can't we get rid of the filibuster? Well, I'll tell you why. Because none of those things are within your power. Not one of those things is legitimately in your power. Every law that you have on the books restraining gun ownership in any fashion is not constitutional. Every single one of them doesn't stop these uh, judiciary, these, not judiciary, well, it doesn't stop the judiciaries from siding with these various districts. But the federal law, federal doesn't have the power to do it. Local ordinances should be looked at as suspicious at best. It all comes down to the one very basic, simple thing. The filibuster protects minorities. Well, it doesn't feel like it right now. How does it do that? Well, I could explain it, but if I have to explain it to you, I'm doubting you're going to understand it. Because you, sir, as an adult who's supposedly been to college, supposedly educated, should already understand exactly why the government has done the things it's done in the time of the founders, at the time the Constitution was being framed, placed together to unify these multiple states as a single federation. But hey, let's, let's not focus on the past, shall we? Let's focus on the future. And the future is uh, we, we want to codify laws that far exceed Roe v. Wade. Because we've been post-Roe v. Wade for a long time now. I've been saying it's been basically outmoded since New York and uh, 
Virginia tried to pass their abortion laws. That, well, they didn't try to. They did. Took it, made abortion legal all the way up till the uh, time of birth. Virginia's version actually would allow for um, a child being born and still being just left to die. Going to provide no attention to it now that it's about it'll it'll only be around for a little bit. We're told that somehow we're the immoral ones for not liking that idea. We're lectured to by a group of leftists that claim a majority of Americans want to see Roe v. Wade stay. Roe v. Wade, technically, I heard a great point made the other day, was uh, technically. Outdone after this other law that was, uh, well, not a law again, another court ruling that pretty much has, uh, was it, uh, no, I can't think of the name of the case, Dad, come it. But uh, them versus Planned Parenthood, Planned Parenthood won. Uh, what was that one? It was the follow-up on Roe v. Wade. You hear it mentioned a lot. Anyway, that since that ruling was put in place, Roe v. Wade was already obsolete anyway. So it's not really been the law of the land for 50-plus years. It was basically ignored in the establishment because Roe v. Wade was restrictive. I gave a lot of leeway in the first trimester, but then after that, not so much. Well, that's not what the Dems are pushing these days. Zero restrictions at any point in time. And the majority of Americans do not support that. Certainly not 80%. In fact, Fewer than uh, 14% of Americans support unrestricted abortions at any point up to birth. Fewer than 14%, just a smidge over 13%. Very small percentage of Americans support that. And that number is abhorrently high if you ask me. Nobody's asking me, but, you know, if you were to, that's what I would tell you. Abhorrently high. Because that means that there is no longer any question, any doubt about what you are murdering at that point. How could anybody look at themselves in the mirror and still feel perfectly okay with ending the life of a child at that stage in the game? Fully developed, no question about it, but well past the point of viability, which are all ridiculous standards if you ask me. But uh, again, no one's asking me. If you did, that's what I'd tell you. So where are we at? Well, Stenny, I tell you what. You just keep telling everybody that this is a time of war. Because that does two things. Gets the Democrats off the hook for criticism for how Biden is handling all of his domestic policies. And it also... Gets them off the hook for explaining why they continue to spend so much money to help a ally who's not really an ally, that being Ukraine. Get to continue to spend so much money to help them even when we don't have it in the budget to spend. Even when we don't have enough money to take care of our own domestic priorities. But we have to help them because they're facing annihilation from Vladimir Putin. The bad guy. All right, let's uh, let's take the mid-hour break since I'm running a little long on this one, and uh, you know, don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Mm-hmm. 
My name's Joe Biden. All men and women created by the goal. You know the, you know the thing. Joe Brandon, I agree. I mean, he has made clear that... Uh, No, no. I promise you, the president has a big stick. I keep forgetting I'm president. Pro-abortion activists have once, twice, 3,000 times proven to be the underhanded, no-good racist that they always were. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. On the night after a leaked draft opinion overturning Roe v. Wade, when Politico mysteriously managed to obtain a draft majority opinion written by Supreme Court Justice Alito, showing the Supreme Court is leaning toward overturning the 1973 decision of Roe v. Wade, which simply returns the decision over Roe v. Wade to the voters and states. So on cue, the know-nothing leftist Beckys and Karens started screaming about how returning Roe v. Wade to the states would bring harm to poor black women. The only things that leftist whites think and speak of for blacks are negative solutions like murdering little black babies rather than trying abstinence before marriage or putting unwanted babies up for adoption. Hmm? Black Americans need to use their brains and understand that leftist white Democrats do not like you. And as long as you follow their blathering dictates, you will always be the rear end of society. Black Americans, stop bowing before the golden donkey. I'm Ron Edwards. For Constitutional Grounds Coffee, go to theronedwards.com. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. All men and women created by the gold. You know the you know the thing. Lime dog face pony soldier. I got hairy legs. All right, maybe big girls don't cry, but uh, I know I do. Every time I'm reminded that barely there, Beijing Biden is currently installed. As the resident at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. But you know what? The Biden economy will not last forever. If we can survive the Biden presidency, I suspect we will finally bounce back and bounce back better than ever. If you happen to be in the middle class, now might be a really good opportunity to start thinking about investing. Uh, Investing in the stock market. Right now, a lot of volatility has a lot to do with the economy. Uh, But uh, if... If you want something simple, then perhaps you should look into something that's seriously simple. Seriously simple investing from Beanstalks. That's B-E-A-N-S-T-O-K. You can go to Beanstalks.com and you can uh, check out how they will work to build your portfolio. Create your Beanstalks account in just minutes, and then they invest for their clients using exchange traded funds, ETFs for short. Uh, The reason why? Diversification, first of all. Uh, They're easy to buy a lot of different stocks and bonds within one 
exchange traded fund. Generally, uh, lower cost and they're more tax efficient than buying individual uh, stocks at one time. And ETFs are investment funds that trade on stock exchanges, providing liquidity and flexibility, meaning that uh, if you want to sell it, you can do it quickly. So Beanstalks is indeed seriously simple investing, and it's easy to set up your account in minutes. You uh, have the positives of it being automated and hassle-free investing with personalized portfolios that put your investment goals and risk profile, investments focused on wealth building, and uh, automated rebalancing and dividend reinvestments and more for only $5 a month, no surprises. Uh, so check out Beanstalks uh, and understand this may not be for you if you're not at least in the middle class because that subscription fee might seem a bit much. But if you're looking at uh, something like, I don't know, let's say E-Trade, for example. Uh, E-Trade, you have to pay uh, a, a certain fee for uh, each trade. Uh, you have various fees that are involved at different times. This much simpler. Now, of course, visit beanstalks.com, and uh, that's B-E-A-N-S-T-O-X.com, and uh, see for yourself. Check it out. Might be a good opportunity. While the prices and a lot of things on the market are down, could be a, a good time to build up on some really good uh, blue-chip stocks as well. Get the value. Uh, that's how the rich get richer in this country, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, they are able to ride out the downturns by not having to sell their stocks. And oftentimes they will add it to the holdings that they have the most faith in. So while I don't recommend just doing it blindly, this is a pretty good way to uh, build your wealth without having to put much time and energy into it. And uh, it's not going to cost you that much. So beanstocks.com, by all means, please check it out. And in full disclosure, I do own a small equity amount in Beanstalk. So uh, just know that I do stand to gain something in the recommendation. Albeit, I do have to tell you that the amount of equity I own is below the threshold that legally requires me to acknowledge it. So it's not like I'm going to be making mega mucho bucks off of it. But it is a platform that I think uh, serves the underserved middle class, and I think they've got a pretty good thing. Plus, you know, Kevin O'Leary is... Uh, one of the head honchos over there, you know, Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank. So I feel kind of good to be able to to say in a very real way that technically I'm in business with Kevin O'Leary. So <laughs> how's that? Anyway, let's let's get back to the show, shall we? I uh, just want you to check that out. There will be a link in the show description, and uh, I will have links uh, on the uh, – Friends uh, on the Sponsors and Friends page of the uh, Tap Into the Truth website. So if you want to go visit there in the event that you forget. All right. Uh, I came across this story, and I I think this says a lot and is likely to be underreported. So wanted to discuss it with you. Uh, there's this gentleman by the name of Zach Kirkman. Now, Zach had worked at Thompson Reuters, for more than six years, most recently as a director of data scientists. Basically, uh, his role was concerned with data and statistics. Uh, Craigman and his team advised numerous other divisions within the company, providing them the information needed to report important information in news articles. 
But a funny thing happened back in 2020. See, Krugman noticed changes within the company. Changes with co-workers publishing numerous articles about white privilege on the company's internal collaboration platform. When the Black Lives Matter riots broke out that summer, the platform was filled with support for the organization without any questions as to the narrative being told about race in America. Quoting now, This concerned me. I had been following the academic research for BLM for years. For example, there had been multiple uh, issues watching what BLM had been doing. And I had come to the conclusion that the claim upon which the whole movement rested, that police more readily shoot black people, was false. Now this was Craigman writing in an article that was uh, published on uh, Barry Weiss, uh, the substack over for Barry Weiss. Now, the data was unequivocal. It showed that, if anything, police are slightly less likely to use lethal force against black suspects than white ones. Kirkman discovered that, based on the database of police shootings compiled by the Washington Post, police have fatally shot 39% more unarmed white people than black people in the past five years. BLM activists have insisted, however, that since there are six times as many white people in America as black people, police should be shooting 600% more. Anything less, Craigman wrote, is evidence to the activist police bias. Now, Craigman suggested that such a comparison isn't as accurate as comparing black suspects who pose a grave danger and white suspects who do the same. But he wrote that there isn't reliable data for such comparisons. Instead, he used Deputy District Attorney for Los Angeles County Patrick Frey's calculations that are based on FBI data that found black Americans account for 37% of those who murder police officers and 34% of the unarmed suspects killed by police. Meanwhile, whites make up 42.7% of cop killers and 42% of the unarmed suspects shot by police, meaning that whites are killed by police at a 7% higher rate than blacks. Craigman broadened his analysis to include armed suspects, finding that those numbers included whites are shot at 70% higher rate than blacks. He then mentioned the only study that looks at the rate at which police use lethal force across racial groups, conducted by Harvard economist Ronald Freyer. Now, Freyer, who is black, by the way, tried to prove BLM's narrative in 2016, but ended up disproving it by finding that while black Americans and Latinos may experience some amount of police force, they're slightly less likely to be shot by police than whites are. Quoting here, Unfortunately, because the BLM narrative was now conventional wisdom, police departments under intense scrutiny from left-wing politicians and activists scaled back patrols in dangerous neighborhoods filled with vulnerable black residents. 
This, of course, is what led to soaring violence in many communities and thousands of needless deaths, otherwise known as the Ferguson Effect. Now, when Krigman shared his findings on Thomas Reuters' collaboration platform, he was met with vitriol by white co-workers who lobbed insults at him rather than provide even a single substantive challenge to the facts that he was citing. Krigman wrote that his post was removed when he stated his concerns and told that if he discussed the issue on internal company communication channels, he would be fired. Without a resolution, Kirkman emailed colleagues and company leadership discussing the attacks. The next day, he was told by Human Resources that he no longer had access to his company's computer or communication system. Three days after that, he was indeed terminated. Quoting here, a decade ago, my experience at Thomson Reuters would have been unthinkable. Most Americans probably think it's still unthinkable. That's what makes it so dangerous. Most of us don't understand how deeply compromised our news sources have become. Most of us have no idea that we are, that we are subfused with fictions and half-truths that sound sort of believable and are shielded from scrutiny by people whose job it is to challenge them. This is true, above all, of my fellow liberals who assume that only Republicans complain about the mainstream media. But this is not a partisan issue. This is a we-the-people issue. I want that to settle for a second, so I gave you a moment of silence. This is the same issue that you've heard people like myself trying to say for years now. Decades, in fact. Many of you may have only have heard me say this for about a decade because that's about as long as the show's been on. But for those of you that have never heard this before, what have you been doing? And I pray to, to all the powers that be that it certainly hasn't been consuming these media outlets' crap. Because it's pretty obvious that that's what's happening. We're being offered up falsehoods and half-truths, and that's if we're lucky, you know, to get a half of the truth. Zach had a job at Thomas Reuters, Thompson Reuters, I'm sorry, Thomas, I'm just making stuff up here. He had a job at some place that didn't exist instead of the actual place that existed. Now, he had this job, and his job was to utilize the collation of data so that accurate reporting can happen. And when he chose to take a stand in an effort to do his job by its job description to try to make sure that the folks working at Reuters were writing articles for your general consumption and for the general consumption of leftists out there, that they were truthful, that they were honest, that they were accurate. 
But when it comes to Black Lives Matter Incorporated, nobody wanted to hear that truth. When it came to the leftist agenda of defunding the police, nobody wanted to hear the truth. There's a lot of communities out there that are facing horrific backlash because their police departments were gutted. And now they face crime in the streets that they haven't seen since the 70s. And in some cases, even exceeding the crime that existed then. Why do we face this circumstance? It's simple. Political leftists in this country are not interested in what's best for the country. They're not interested in what's best for you as a citizen of this country. What they're interested in is in trying to destroy this country. They don't like our constitution. They don't like the idea of individual liberty. They want you under their thumb. They want to control you. They want to do this because that's how they are able to garner any power of significance. But they're not supposed to have that power. Journalism doesn't exist in its true form these days. It's just it's not out there. When somebody like myself becomes the closest thing to a journalist that you've got, you're in real trouble because I'm no journalist. I'm a commentator. I'm not quite professional enough to be a pundit. I'm a guy that talks about what I'm seeing on the streets and tries to imbue a little common sense. I'm a guy who's using this microphone as a therapeutic method so that I don't drive myself nuts with the struggle of trying to survive a leftist current control of this country. But people that go out there and don the mantle of journalists have no idea what journalism actually means, despite having very nice credentials, having been educated at some of the most revered journalist schools. You legitimately have multiple bigger-named journalists now leaving major outlets to go work on Substack so they can continue to use their slightly leaning-to-the-left viewpoint but actually bring you journalism because they realize they can't do that anymore at these major outlets. And Zach here got fired. Zach got fired for actually doing his job instead of just towing the line. He got fired here because he saw evidence that was indisputable. He got fired for wanting you to know the truth on this one topic. This one topic. Now, we've come to understand, we've come to know quite clearly that BLM Incorporated is nothing but a sham. They are grifters of the first order. And, you know, I seem to recall a few folks trying to warn you about that some time ago. But the evidence is out. Patrice Coolers has some really nice houses now thanks to your concern and your effort to give millions of dollars to BLM Incorporated. Black Lives Matter International. Meanwhile, you have smaller organizations like Every Black Life Matters that are actually doing the work that BLM claimed to. 
and they can barely get their foot in the door. They're they're doing great at building at a grassroots level, but they get ignored over and over again. They still take the tact that Black Lives Matter, but it's more than just uh, white police officers or racist police officers out there hunting black men on the streets. That's the real issue. They take a multi-pronged approach. Saying, yes, racism is a problem, but also how black folks interact with themselves within the community is an issue as well. Fatherless homes is an issue as well. Multiple factors. The high abortion rates among the black community is a factor. They look at all these different things from economic to psychological to the nuclear family and the preservation thereof, whereas BLM Incorporated has a stated objective of trying to destroy the nuclear family. This guy tried to, tried to tell the truth about one thing, one thing, and Reuters decided that's grounds for termination. How dare you bring the truth to a story that we do not want the truth told. We are telling this narrative. This is the approved narrative. You're not allowed to step outside of it. How dare you? Zach got fired for doing his job. It's not surprising to anybody now. Nobody's shocked by this. If anything, we're a little too desensitized to it. It's going to continue to happen. It's time to turn away from these mainstream outlets completely. It's time to take away what power and authority they have because they shouldn't have any. It's time to take it all from them by stop going there. You can go to Substack now and sign up for some of these leftist journalists and still get the same level of news information and probably better because they're at least back to trying to bring you actual journalism. So you'd be better suited going there. If you need news with a slight left tint, go to Substack. There's... Dozens of folks over there. More than dozens, actually, but dozens that you have been following for years, that you've been reading their stuff, that you've trusted from places like the New York Times and the Washington Post and so on, so on, and so on. If you're like me, you don't need any of that. You can still go to Substack and find a lot of great conservative folks. But anyway, that's that's going to have to be it for this, the second hour am going to attempt a third hour if I don't make it through. Forgive me, uh, but it will be available, I would imagine, on radio if I complete it. If not, it will simply be bonus material, but, man, my my throat is about to give out. So I'm going to do my best, though. I've got at least two more stories I want to get to. In the meanwhile, don't go anywhere. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, there will be more stuff after this. And uh, if you're listening on the radio... Remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, let's go, let's go.
Welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I am your ever-so-humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tapp, and I'm coming to you live from historic Rome County, Tennessee. Although, many of you will be listening to the rebroadcast on Terrestrial Radio, or you'll be listening to the podcast. And so, for those of you, please understand, time of the... Live broadcast was May 15th, 2022, and uh, it is a Sunday. 
So if you're hearing this as far out as Wednesday, then that might be why some of this may sound a little dated or you may be wondering if some big breaking news story that's happened in the last couple of days that I haven't talked about yet. Uh, just look forward to the next broadcast of the show. All right, I wanted to talk about this little story because, again, I think this says a lot about where the Biden administration's at. You see, the outgoing White House press secretary, Circleback Jen Psaki, recently, well, she didn't come right out and say it, but she kind of implied that uh, Joe Biden's new little nickname for Republicans, uh, some variation of MAGA, you know, like Ultra MAGA, uh, well, that was just something that he kind of came up on his own. Now, I kind of doubted that from the beginning because I don't know of another man in uh, the public eye that is more derivative and more, uh, what's a good word, plagiaristic than Joe Biden. So, somebody had to come up with that for him. Somebody had to have said, hey, you know what we should call them? Let's call them ultra magas. <laughs> and uh, Joe's little mind says, okay, my pudding and yeah, ultra maga. Anyway, according to a new report from the Washington Post, it kind of casts doubts on that claim that uh, Biden came up with it on his own because uh, it revealed that the nickname was actually the result of a six-month research project that was conducted by a progressive group in Washington, D.C., as well as a public relations advisor who allegedly assisted convicted rapist Harvey Weinstein prior to his trial. Uh, quoting here from the report, Biden's attempt to appropriate the MAGA brand as a political attack was hardly accidental. It arose from a six-month research project to find the best way to target Republicans, helmed by Biden advisor Anita Dunn and by the Center for American Progress Action Fund, a liberal group. Now, Dunn, of course, had worked for Biden administration until August of last year. She was recently rehired by the administration. Now, it appears that during her time away from the executive office, she was in part working on this research study to craft the best way to smear Republicans. By the way, I don't think it worked very well because most of the uh, Trump Republicans that I know have embraced the ultra-MAGA uh, mentality. Yeah, they, they never seem to understand. They don't understand how memes work, and they don't understand uh, branding either. Uh, if you haven't already seen the meme floating around, Donald Trump fully embraced it, basically photoshopped his face into what would be a return of the king from the uh, Lord of the Rings saga kind of uh, mentality. Uh, it's a great, <laughs> great meme, by the way, and I love it. This, of course, came from when Biden referred to uh, our good friend, the Donald, as the great MAGA king. It's like, well... Welcome to the return of the great MAGA king, because I think it's happening. But anyway, this was an attempt to smear Republicans, and as usual, it isn't working very well. In uh, 2017, Anita reportedly helped the disgraced Hollywood mogul Weinstein conduct damage control after it was revealed that he had illegally used his immense position to pressure Hollywood actresses to perform sexual favors in exchange for movie roles. He was convicted of rape after six women came forward against him. Now, the extent to which she helped 
Weinstein during that time. That's still a little unclear. But her previous employer confirmed that a friend had asked Dunn to speak to Weinstein. Additionally, the Center for American Progress Action Fund assisted in the research project to zero in on Biden's new talking points. Quoting here, All of that extremism gets captured in that brand. This from Navin Nayak, president and executive director of CAP Action Fund. And it said this uh, of the term MAGA, uh, continued saying, We are not trying to create a new word. This is how they define themselves. Yes, it is. And congratulations on not understanding that by trying to use how people define themselves as a derogatory, you actually only add strength to them and the strength to their ap- uh, opposition to you. Anyway, clearly not understanding how any of this works, they continue. Continuing to quote here, the polling and focus group researched by Heart Research and the Global Strategy Group found that MAGA was already viewed negatively by voters. Mm, uh, only Democratic voters, I would say, but hey, more negatively than other phrases like Trump Republicans. It was not reported how much capital was spent on this effort, but it might have been a giant waste of money. Many Republicans have already embraced the nickname, including President Donald Trump, who Biden called the great MAGA king. Regardless of this impact, the story means that when Biden recently said that this MAGA crowd is the is really the most extreme political organization that's existed in American history, in recent American history, he likely made that claim in part out of a focus group tested poll that said the best way to get liberals to view their fellow Americans in a negative light is to call them MAGA. That's quite the abandonment of the lofty rhetoric about unity that, you know, barely there, Beijing Biden expressed during his inauguration. But is anyone surprised? Does this confuse anyone? Is there anyone out there that didn't see this coming? Six months and a lot of money, so much so that they're not admitting how much was spent to come up with this ultra-MAGA crowd mentality, this great MAGA king notion. And it's just, it's terrible. I mean, there's nothing the government does better than waste money, so maybe this is just another great example of that. But this isn't even the government just wasting money. This is the current administration wasting money in order to try and promote an effort at re-election. One that is so widely uh, enthusiastically embraced by the Democratic Party that there are multiple Democratic would-be presidents that are already jockeying for position in an effort to run not down the road three, four years from now. No, they want to start campaigning in the next few months because they're thinking they may be running against Donald Trump or possibly uh, Governor DeSantis, who I think are the two most likely candidates from the Republican uh, side of things right now. Of course, a lot of time between now and then, and anything can happen. 
and I would not discount any of the would-be competitors at this point. Do you think if Trump decides to run, the nomination is his? And uh, I think it's that simple. If he decides not to, then I think DeSantis is the uh, front runner at this point in time. That being said, Joe Biden is still not currently the front runner to get the Democratic nomination to run in 2024. He's just not. He may think he is. He may be telling everyone he is. But they're kind of stuck. So at any rate, this is an effort. He's going to have to get much more effective at this part of the game of politics. He's never been very good at it. He is, for all intents and purposes, a loser every time he steps out of the state of Delaware. This is the first time he's ever actually won an election. And as you know, my feelings on the matter is he didn't exactly win it legitimately, did he? But neither that nor the other is of major significance. What does matter is the fact that here we go again with uh, Circleback Saki just before she heads out to go take her new job. Lying to the American people one more time about how, oh yeah, Joe Biden came up with that on his own. Joe Biden's never had an original idea of his own, ever. Ever. If you can find one occasion where he's had an original idea, I will gladly take a month off of the air. I will give you a month free of no tapping to the truth. It's not going to happen, though, because anything you come up with is going to be factually incorrect. He has not had an original idea, an original thought of his own ever. Everything, every speech he's ever presented, every notion he's ever known, even in his collegiate days when he was writing his own papers, he was plagiarizing. He's been caught plagiarizing. He's been busted for it. On the previous campaigns for president, he was knocked out of those campaigns because, again, he was caught plagiarizing. That's what pushed him out. Can you guys remember a time when the Democratic Party had enough integrity to say, oh, well, you know, if you're plagiarizing someone's speech, then we're just not going to vote for you? It's been a minute now, guys. It's been a minute. Of course, you know, again, you got nearly 50 years in D.C. for uh, – come on, man. You know the thing. Nearly 50 years in D.C. Most of it as a senator, part of it as a vice president, and now as this bumbling, stumbling, rumbling fool that is supposed to be the president of the United States. Nearly 50 years. He's been in D.C. nearly as long as Roe v. Wade had been decided. Just a little longer, actually. The whole point of bringing up this story isn't so much to say, oh yeah, circle back Saki lied to us again. Or that, oh, once again, Joe Biden is not capable of coming up creative uh, things on his own. Now, the real point of the story that's real easy to kind of fly right by if you're not paying close attention is the association that Miss Nina has. Anita here has worked for Harvey Weinstein. This is somebody who, once the truth came out about Harvey, most of these folks tried to distance themselves 
But Harvey's exactly the kind of guy they like having at the party. He's exactly the kind of guy they like contributing to their campaign coffers. There's a reason why the Clintons were so smoozy with Harvey. Harvey Weinstein was one of the sleaziest Hollywood people ever. He amassed his wealth by being as sleazy as he could and then by making these associations. But they knew. It was literally called Hollywood's worst kept secret. You know why? Because nobody kept it secret. So when the Clintons were uh, uh, getting all cozy and rubbing elbows with Harvey, they knew what Harvey was. They knew what he was doing to people. They didn't care. He had money. He had clout in Hollywood. He was a way to victory. He was a tool that they could use. And they were perfectly okay with letting him continue to run his little thiefdom over in Hollywood. Same thing with Biden and anybody that works with Biden. Anybody with a D at the end of their name, and sadly, way too many people with an R at the end of their name, are perfectly okay with Harvey being part of the home team. They don't care the kind of person he is. They don't care what he's done. They don't care how dirty the money is. What they care about is, can it help them win? Can it help them maintain the power? Can it help them to continue to ruin this country and to ruin the lives of American citizens everywhere so they can hold on to their perceived power for just a little longer? That's what they care about. And we let them. And we let them. I want to see if I can't sneak in three topics here in this uh, third hour. The next topic is uh, parents and social media reacting to a new requirement in Oregon schools. If you've been under a rock and haven't heard, Oregon now requires public schools to provide feminine hygiene project, uh, projects, feminine hygiene products. That's the actual word I should be saying here. Uh, let me let me start over. That's, I'm laughing at myself too much. Oregon now requires public schools to provide feminine hygiene products in the boys' bathrooms, and some parents are a little concerned by that. See, the uh, Menstrual Dignity Act was passed last year by the Democrat-controlled Oregon legislature and was then signed by Governor Kate Brown, and we talked about it uh, then just a little bit. It's now actually going into effect now. The law requires that all Oregon public schools provide free menstrual products like tampons and pads in boys' and all-gender restrooms, as well as in the girls' restrooms, by the end of 2022-2023 school year. Menstrual products, as well as instructions on how to use them, will be placed in all school bathrooms, including at elementary schools. Uh, Quoting here from Corey Gilmore, a a mom of two elementary school boys at the Medford School District, uh, she says, This act was passed last year without parental or taxpayer input, and parents still haven't been informed by the schools about what's happening. I really do not think this is appropriate. It can bring up subjects that younger kids aren't ready to discuss, and I don't believe parents should have to say in what the school teaches. Did you catch that? 
I think I may have said that wrong. I do believe parents should have a say. So let me do, let me read that again just to make sure that I'm because now I'm thinking I said it wrong. I really do not think this is appropriate. It can bring up subjects that younger kids aren't ready to discuss, and I do believe parents should have a say in what the school teaches. Now, Gilmore also added that she is aware of other parents who are just as upset as she is about the new menstrual product policy. Back to quoting, In my opinion, I don't feel like there is an appropriate age for this because boys cannot have periods, and I really don't think it's healthy to teach our kids that they can. At least one video posted to social media claims to show that a feminine hygiene product dispenser installed in the boys' bathroom at an Oregon public school, and in the video it pans from the urinals to the dispenser. The Oregon Department of Education argues that the new law affirms the right to menstrual dignity for transgender, intersex, non-binary, and two-spirit students. One in four teens have missed class because they were unable to get menstrual products, according to the department. However, the new policy goes beyond simply providing menstrual products for students. The Education Department's Menstrual Dignity for Students Toolkit includes several eyebrow-raising recommendations, uh, recommendations like potentially teaching kindergartners about transgender hormone blockers. Yeah, that's definitely dignity in menstruation. We're going to teach your little kindergartners over here uh, about uh, these hormone blockers. Uh, you know, you don't have to worry about whether you're going to menstruate or not. You'll... you. Okay, doesn't that uh, the the ones that are capable of menstruation? If you put them on hormone blockers, doesn't that stop the menstruation? Aren't you making that every penny spent on these dispensers has now become wasted? I don't know, just uh, again asking for a friend who's a lot smarter than the people running the state of Oregon, evidently. Anyway, <clears throat> one of these toolkit bullet points says that. Integrate trans-specific puberty information in K-12 through instruction. This recommendation also links to a resource on puberty blockers which delay the onset of puberty in children with gender dysphoria. I'll send you guys back to my recent conversation with Walt Hollyer. Uh... That interview was in the last full broadcast, and I think I probably still need to put the full interview up as a video over on Rumble. Which, by the way, I now that I mention it, uh, in case you're not aware, you can find this show not only of where all the podcasts are, but you can also find it on YouTube if you look for the Tap Into the Truth channel. It's not a great video, but it's just it is the show as the audio for the show. You can also find us on Rumble. I will be looking to move into locals soon. Uh, a lot of great show hosts I know have moved all their stuff there. Uh, Don Smith uh, and the Don Smith Show being one of them. Do a live uh, thing on uh, Saturdays starting at noon. Uh, they're broadcasting through locals now. Uh, still a great show. Uh, a lot of good video with that now, too. Kudos to... Uh, both Don and Brenda, 
doing a fantastic job over there, guys. Anyway, but you can find the show on SoundCloud, on, on Rumble, and just want to make sure that you guys were aware in case you're still looking for other options if you don't like some of these uh, podcast platforms that you're listening to. Anyway, where was I? The gender dysphoria. Okay, so uh, increased awareness of two-spirit people of their historical standing in tribal nation communities as highly respected and honored people uh, is also one of the other recommendations. Some social media users reacted with, as you can guess, outrage. Quoting here from one Twitter user, I and many Oregonians... Women, find your menstrual dignity act an affront to women. Only females can menstruate. Only females can menstruate. Uh, I've been playing this game too long, boys and girls. Now I'm trying to make fun of this, too. Uh, Only females can menstruate. Only females should be in the female restroom. And only males should be in the male restroom. Uh, Another one, quote, has anyone considered oh, the trauma girls will experience when boys run up and down hallways waving tampons uh, and uh, pantomiming insertion? Ridiculing girls at their most vulnerable is not dignity. Now, a Republican gubernatorial candidate ripped the law as well, saying, quote, This is an absolute implosion of the family. It's a violation of the family. This from Bridget Barton, Republican running for Oregon governor. Complaints doesn't even begin to describe it. Again, she's saying uh, this uh, about what she's hearing from parents about the menstrual product policy. Uh, Barton continued saying, quote, a lot of them haven't even heard yet about all of this background stuff that the teachers are going to be forced to teach in sex ed classes, in health classes. I'm hearing from parents everywhere who say that it's almost beyond belief. Barton said she's already filed a legal appeal against the law. Oregon is not the first state to start providing feminine hygiene projects in boys' bathrooms at school. Back in August, Illinois passed a similar bill that make the uh, free products available in both boys' and girls' bathrooms from grades 4 through 12. But the folks in Oregon are really starting to push back, and some of the parents are finally starting to figure this out. And, you know, this is Oregon. Most of the time when we're out here in flyover country, we tend to think of Oregon as not necessarily being a bastion of conservative thought. And that's probably an unfair assessment. There are a lot of conservative pockets in Oregon. There's just, unfortunately, most of the larger population centers tend to lean more to the left. That's something that we've constantly seen. Same thing is true in California. There's actually some very large areas of California that are very conservative. It's just, unfortunately, they're outnumbered in the population centers, and those centers tend to control most of the state politics. I like the fact that parents are still continuing to get involved. This is a trend also that is going to cost Democrats severely in the upcoming midterms. And I think they have riled up the parents enough that it's going to carry over into the next presidential election as well. Even if the economy hadn't become such an issue, 
parents are waking up across the country. And a lot of this traces all the way back to the great investigative journalism going on over at the Daily Wire when they blew the lid over the Loudoun, Virginia story. They blew the lid right off there. And then other stuff all across the country has come to light since then. I've told you before, there was two primary reasons why I became an official Daily Wire member. I actually ponied up the bucks required to obtain membership. Number one was they said they were the first organization like this to say that they would fight in court the unconstitutional vaccine mandates. These mandates required you to have the vaccine if you worked at a company with over X number of employees. It was unconstitutional. They said they would fight. So I said, I want to help you with that fight. And then the second reason was because they are doing the legitimate investigative journalism that is bringing this kind of information to the forefront so that even people that typically vote and lean to the left who believe themselves to be liberals are seeing what these Marxist fascists are doing in the schools and they're seeing what they're doing to their children and they're like, no, that is not just a step too far, that is miles too far. We've been asleep at the wheel. We've been letting you do this because we trusted you. And now we see that that trust was misplaced. When you wake up Mama Bear, Mama Bear's going to maul you if you're threatening her children. Period. End of that discussion. A lot of Democratic office holders are about to get mauled by a lot of Mama Bears across this country. Many of them who helped put them in that place in the first place, which makes them even angrier about it. Now, of course, government's trying to protect those folks, trying to claim that these parents are domestic terrorists, trying to have the FBI bullying them back into silence, trying to squash their free speech to go forth. We see school boards being ended across the country where parents, angry parents, are reading excerpts from books that are in the school library. And they're immediately told, no, we can't. They're having their microphones cut because they're reading this pornographic material that's in their kids' library. And we have heard on more than one occasion that they had to be silenced because there were children present at the meeting. It's like, you know where else there's children present? The school library. There's a lot of children present at the school library there, guys. I mean, I, maybe you haven't spent time at the uh, Drag Queen Story Hour, but my guess is some of the same material is what's being read by the uh, drag queens that are showing up for the Story Hour. I, what do you want to bet? Ah, uh, But, oh, no, they're angry. They're scary. Parents keep waking up, okay? Parents just keep it up. I, I, I saw the other day we're now the whole ocean of homeschooling is indeed wait for it racist big surprise right oh no they called homeschooling racist why well because it's it's only white people doing it that's not true oh yeah of course it's true and now you're being banned from this platform for saying that it's not true because you're providing disinformation the Ministry of Truth will silence you now. Okay. Still not true. Ministry of 
of truth can show up and and make whatever claims they want to, but it's just not right. It's still not true. Just not true. All right, let's take the mid-hour break uh, for this hour. Well, you're actually pretty close to it at any rate. You guys don't go anywhere. I will be right back after this brief message. I'm Ron Edwards, host of the Edwards Notebook, and you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap into the Truth. The U.S. economy has endured the abysmal policies of the Biden regime, and results are not promising. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. Since the first day of the Biden regime, rickety Joe Biden has enacted only negative policies to ensure long-term damage and a big slowdown of the U.S. economy, starting with the shutdown of the U.S. fuel industry by not allowing the Keystone Pipeline and refusing to allow drilling on federal lands and making up more and more environmental extremist restrictions which have nothing to do with cleaning up the environment but are designed to cripple the economy and have taken their toll on our ability to simply run a business, open a new business, make simple purchases of food items, clothing items, or even gardening tools due to inhibiting restrictions and regulations and policies that were designed to chase manufacturing out of our nation, making us dependent upon a choked-up supply line. So now the U.S. economy has shrunk 1.5%. China's economy grew 4.8%. Time for a change, America because more of the same will likely destroy our exceptional nation way of life. I'm Ron Edwards. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. My name is Joe Biden. My name is Joe Biden. I'm Jill Biden's husband. keep forgetting i'm president man oh man i wish i could forget your president joe i really do before we jump back into the next story let me uh remind you that uh, there's still opportunities for life after biden and uh that's probably going to be harder to convince some of you small business owners out there but if you happen to be a small business owner and you have some opportunities for expansion uh, maybe you just have a hard time getting capital. Let's face it, capital for expanding and growing your business can be pretty hard to find even in the best of times. A lot, lot harder right now under the current economy. But uh, now there's an easier way to find investors. Uh, you can go over to Start Engine. 
And StartEngine.com may be the answer you're looking for. There will be a link in the show description that will uh, take you directly to the part of Search Engine that is designed to get your business signed up. Now, there are things you have to do to qualify uh, uh, to, to be on the Start Engine, but Start Engine is a great platform that allows lots and lots of people to look at uh, the options, the businesses that are there. The startups, uh, many cases are uh, first-time startups. In other cases, they've been around for a little while, but they're still uh, certainly at a stage where they need to raise capital to get to that next level. If you qualify to be listed there, you can get your company in front of a lot of folks that are going to believe in you and that will provide for you uh, angel investing. Uh, basically, it's a, uh, a great way for you to to. Get that capital that you need. So, again, follow that link. It takes you directly to the uh, business recruitment side at Start Engine. Start Engine has raised millions of dollars for companies, and uh, it can do the same thing for you. Follow that link in the show description, uh, or you can just go straight to startengine.com. You can sign up there, but the link here lets them know that I sent you. So, that would be great, and it will take you directly to the business side. Uh, I would also recommend you just check out Start Engine if you're looking to invest in companies at that level, uh, by all means. Uh, and one of the companies that you can invest in when you're there, at the moment anyway, uh, the current round is open, is in Start Engine itself, uh, something that I have been pondering uh, getting invested in myself. But anyway, just check them out. Uh, and if you're in that situation Start Engine may be the uh, solution to your uh, capital issues. Just check it out. It didn't hurt you. All right. Now let's, uh, let's continue, shall we? We're going into uncharted territory because today's show description doesn't include any of the rest of these stories that we're covering. So, you know, now you're into mystery bonus time. So as I mentioned uh, back in the first hour, uh, we are expecting to get – an opinion officially finalized and revealed on Monday. Now, for a lot of you, if you're listening to this show on Terrestrial Radio, that's been a few days ago now. So all the mysteries about what's there uh, will have been over. I'm personally hoping that this is, in fact, uh, the uh, case where we're expecting to have Roe v. Way overturned. But the fact that we've got so many folks in the entertainment world that continue to say such dumb things just proves the fact that you don't have to be smart to be talented. Uh, what has really caught my attention here is a small group of celebrities that have sent a message in a full-page ad claiming that they, uh, quote, are being robbed of their power. Over the leaked draft from the Supreme Court indicating Roe v. Wade decision could likely be overturned and declared that they will not back down. So they honestly think that if Roe v. Wade is overturned once and for all, officially, even though it hasn't actually been the law of the land for a long time now, they think that they're losing their power. They're being robbed of their power. Your, your power to do what, ladies? Your power to do what? Murder a pre-born human baby. That's the power that you want to have? You're declaring full-throated that you won't back down. Stars like 
Ariana Grande, Selena Gomez, Billie Eilish. More than a hundred. Sorry, had to hit the silence button, had a major coughing fit there. Anyway, more than a hundred performers, musicians, supermodels, influencers signed this advertisement that was taken out in the New York Times that read, quote, The Supreme Court is planning to overturn Roe v. Wade, taking away the constitutional right to abortion. Now, again, I want to point out, they seem to think they have a constitutional right to murder the preborn. The opinion makes it clear that even Roe v. Wade does not provide a constitutional right to murder unborn babies. These preborn babies are not part of what was even laid out in the rationale of Roe v. Wade. It was just something they wanted to happen. There's nothing in the Constitution here. It's not a constitutional right. You have no right to murder. Period. Ladies. Anyway, within this little ad, it says, quote, Our power to plan our futures and control our own bodies depends on our ability. I mean, let, let me say this again. They're saying, quote, our power to plan our futures and control our own bodies depends on our ability to access sexual and reproductive health care, including abortion. We, the artists, creators, storytellers, we are the new generation stepping into our power. Now we're being robbed of our power. We will not go back. And we will not back down. Okay. But again, I'm going to ask you, as an artist, can you not have a child? Can you not be artistic as you're being uh, pregnant? As a creator, can you not create? In fact, isn't having a baby the ultimate act of creation? As a storyteller, is there any reason why you should stop telling stories while you're pregnant? In fact, some of us would hint that maybe you should be telling more stories at this point. You are indeed a new generation of young ladies that are stepping into the power stage of your career. So you're going to be at your best. You're going to be at your zenith. But your ability to plan your future and to control your own body has nothing to do with you becoming pregnant. Because you see, once you are pregnant, you've already made choices. You've controlled your body to that point. You have put yourself in a situation that we will call, we'll call it reckless behavior. That, that seemed diplomatic enough. See, if you don't want you didn't want to become pregnant, you should refrain from various activities that put yourself at risk of becoming pregnant. I, I'm pretty sure you know, as powerful young ladies coming into your own, 
But you know how pregnancy occurs, right? So, you know, how about you not engage in risky behavior, risk being putting you in a position of being under a circumstance you don't want to be in? How's that? We'll say risky behavior. If you're engaging in premarital sex and you don't want to be pregnant, then you're engaging in risky behavior. If you are engaging in marital sex, but you're still not at a point where you want to become pregnant, then you are engaging in risky behavior. There are things you can do to mitigate those risks. Multiple forms of contraception that are available that do not require the murder of a preborn baby human. So your power to plan your future and control your own bodies, it does not depend on your ability to murder a preborn child. It does depend on you to be responsible. Avoid risky behaviors and take actions to mitigate the risks that come from those risky behaviors if you're not going to avoid them. It's not some alien invader, but it is not just your body that you're talking about in either case. You don't want to go back. You don't want to back down. How about you just simply be responsible? How's that? Is that so unreasonable? Is that so crazy? Oh, well, I want all the freedom that I can get, but I don't want to have to be responsible for anything. You can't have them both. We've already talked about that. Lots and lots of celebrities have signed off on this. And the ad is part of a Planned Parenthood uh, effort. There are much bigger bands off our bodies campaign. The entire list of stars who have signed this can be found online. Uh, on the Planned Parenthood website, there are details about the campaign with information about joining rallies planned for uh, Saturday, May 14th, which was yesterday, the time of the live broadcast, this past Saturday, depending on if you're hearing this on rebroadcast on terrestrial radio. A page on the website under the headline Supreme Court leak, our worst fears confirmed, reads in part, abortion is still legal. It's still your right, but the Supreme Court is prepared to end your constitutional right to abortion. Our country is facing an abortion access crisis. By this summer, 26 states could move to ban abortion, affecting 36 million women, plus more people who can become pregnant. What? This is personal. It's so personal they can't even say uh, it's only affecting women. It's a biological woman that identifies as a man. Well, then you're a woman. Sorry to break it to you. Now, back on May the 2nd, that's, of course, when Politico broke the news with this Supreme Court leak. But I want to go back and say this right here. The Supreme Court cannot grant or take away constitutional rights. They can only interpret the Constitution to tell you if a law or if a lawsuit is valid based on protections that are offered by the Constitution or based on what's not present in the Constitution. A lot of the concerns that people have put forward, oh, they're, they're coming after uh, same-sex marriage next on the same logic. Well, the same logic does hold. <clears throat> this is a state's rights issue. 
But the very fact that there are only 26 states that could move to ban abortion means that there are still other states that have already moved to codify abortion. It means that the biggest lie right off the bat that most Americans mistakenly believe, and I'm sure most of these celebrities do as well, is that Roe v. Wade is what grants abortion rights to everyone. No. It doesn't grant any rights. It just simply acknowledges that we're going to allow it to be legal because we don't have a legal definition that's codified in the Constitution about when life begins. That's where this argument still propagates to. These celebrities, most of them very young, are still suffering from a tremendous lack of life experience, a glorious lack of life experience. And more to the point, these are mostly child stars, meaning that they've never had an actual normal life to begin with even as a child. So their current life experience is one very different than that of the average American. So you cannot hold them to the same standards that you would just anyone else. It just wouldn't be fair. Not that life is fair. But there's so much wrong with this. This is clearly just Planned Parenthood desperately trying to hang on to their number one source of income. I mean, for everything else they claim to do, for everything else they claim to be, they are still primarily a provider of murders of preborn baby humans. That is what they do. Created by Margaret Sanger to be a eugenicist effort primarily targeting black people. If you're supporting Planned Parenthood, you're supporting racism. You're not supporting a woman's right to choose. And none of us that are looking to restrict abortions in any fashion are looking to end a woman's right to choose. You still have the right to choose many things before abortion becomes something that's even on the table. Abstaining from sex until you're ready for marriage, uh, ready for childhood, uh, to motherhood, that's, that's a good thing. If you're not going to do that, then mitigate the risks. Oh, that's the guy's job. He needs to, to use a condom. Well, make him wear a condom. And still, you used your contraceptive too. Whether you're going to take the pill or if you're going to use a diaphragm or whatever you're doing, do both. Mitigate the risks. Condoms are very effective when used properly, but when they are damaged or when they're not used properly, not so effective. So have a backup plan. Be responsible. And then be responsible if the outcome you least wanted is what happens. And simply murdering someone out of convenience to you is not being responsible. You, my dear storytellers, creators, and artists are in a far better position to raise a child to begin with than most people who get pregnant unexpectedly. I hate using that term because if you're having sex, you should expect that pregnancy is a possibility. If you're having sex on the regular, it moves from possibility to probability. Be responsible. Do the response. Stop trying to take the easiest way out, especially when you're in a better position to afford to not to have to take the easy way out. 
You really don't feel like you can be a parent? There's adoption. Lots and lots of people who would love to be parents that aren't capable of having children would love to take that child, that current pre-born baby human, and make it their own child. If you're part of a culture that is celebrating murdering pre-born children, then there is something wrong with your culture. You're on the wrong side of the argument. It's not about a woman's right to choose. It's about that child's right to life. You want the life you want by engaging in the lifestyle you wanted. You found yourself to be pregnant. And stop right there. Do not try to whip out the fake argument about rape, incest, or the life of the mother. Again, all three combined make up less than 1% of pregnancies that occur around the world, period. Less than 1%. Stop using the outliers as your primary argument because that's not what the primary purpose here is. The primary purpose is to use abortion as one more form of contraceptive, a last-ditch effort. It's like, oops, the other stuff didn't work, or I just didn't do the other stuff but got pregnant anyway. Just didn't do the other stuff. Figured I could always just get an abortion. That's not responsible. That's not reasonable. That's not you being on the right side of an argument. That's you just being selfish. Now, there may be a stream of what you feel to be legitimate excuses for why you can't bring this child to term. And if any one of them is actually legitimate, then you do you. It's not for me to judge you. I'm not trying to take a a position of judgment in the first place. I know that's probably hard to tell with the harshness of the language I use in this issue. I use the harsh language because I feel strongly about it because it is pretty clear cut to me. But I'm not trying to judge the individuals that are following through with this, especially if you do it in the first trimester. You have situations, bad things are happening. It's ultimately up to you to live with what you do. It's up to you to live with the choices you make. It's up to you to live with the consequences of uh, an abortion done poorly that affects you for the rest of your life. Even if I am sitting here being judgmental towards you, you're the one who has to live with that choice. I use the harsh language because I want you to really stop and think about what you're doing if you happen to be somebody that falls into that position and that you are listening. I don't want to call you bad names. In fact, I don't think I've ever attacked and used harsh language directly at an individual who's facing this circumstance, not not in a specific case. I save my criticism for those that defend it and use terrible euphemisms to try and make it seem less serious than it is. But this is the act of forcibly taking and ending a life that had promise, potential, that could have been the bringer of ultimate light, if not to the universe, then certainly to your life, could have brought a meaning to your life that you never 
imagined. Doesn't mean it'll be easy. Doesn't mean that there's a guarantee that that's what the child will represent as it grows and becomes older. But the potential is there. It's the potential that gets snuffed out. Do not be swayed by these celebrities, many of whom are part of a culture that they don't truly understand that there are other options. I've literally had conversations with C and D level uh, celebrities who lean to the left, who won't come onto the show, but who talked to me to express themselves. And they were trying to decide whether or not they wanted to come on the show and defend their side. And then after me talking with them, uh, decided they wouldn't do it. So the conversations are still confidential. So I won't mention the names and I won't go into details because that would violate that confidence. But I've had conversations with more than one who honestly did not know that there were groups out there that were trying to provide alternatives to abortion. That legitimately didn't know such things existed. That legitimately didn't know that there were people that held the belief that these are children that were alive since conception. These were new concepts to them. And the fact that they're part of that culture means that they don't understand what you're going through either. I will freely admit as a man who is not in the situation you're in, I do not know what you're going through. But I do know the difference between right and wrong. I do know the difference between alive and not alive. And this much is enough for me to argue that part of this discussion. One of the reasons why I like talking to Walt Hollyer about transgenderism is because he talks about the regret. So very few people talk about regret of trying to make a transition. And almost none of these people that are pro-abortion will ever talk to you about the regret that young women have, or sometimes not even young women, but the regret that women can have after aborting a child. If you're not currently pregnant and you don't wish to become pregnant, do the responsible things. Mitigate the risk of becoming pregnant and don't put yourself in the situation in the first place. But if you become pregnant, you have to realize, you must realize before doing anything else, before taking any step that you decide to move forward with, that you're not just talking about your life. You're talking about their life, that child that you now have that you're carrying that will become a full-blown out-in-the-world person, and you're affecting the lives of all the other people that they would have interacted with during the course of their life. You're creating a butterfly effect that you can't possibly anticipate the, the full extent of. You may literally be making the decision between a, a beautiful utopian world that we live in at some day when they become that major transformative figure, or you may be doing the world to darkness by depriving us of that person. I know. 
pretty crappy thing to say. But it is something I think everyone should consider. That's going to have to be it for today, ladies and gentlemen. I have had to stop and start and do all the coffee and stuff but so many times. That's going to be it. But uh, it is a three-hour show, as it turned out. So yay for that. Just, uh, <clears throat> just remember, whatever else you do, don't take my word for it, not for any little bit of it. Don't take their word for it. They have objectives and agendas that are not your best interest, I assure you. Take a little time and put in some effort to do your own homework. But most importantly, use your brain and your conscience and your heart, too, if you really want to tap into the truth. In the meanwhile, that's it for now. One last message to Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. And I'm out. This is Tim Tap. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, let's go. Hey. in both hands Founders knew the second amendment was the final one to keep To hold our other rights intact so we'd never become sheep Stalin, Hitler, Maloney, and Pol Pot They told us things that you never forgot Is using both hands Well I prefer the 308 to the tiny 223 Gives me more than a thousand yards to protect my family
is using both hands. Mm-hmm.